thought they were going to win because they owned Phillip Rivers. But even though I pronounced Patrick Mahomes Baba Yaga, I called him John Wick, you always leave that little bit of doubt that the Chiefs, a team that's had the bad omen December loss, could always fall back into it. And lo and behold, here we go. It happened anyway. They blow the lead. Uh, they give up the world's worst two-point conversion. Um, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. Uh, I've covered too many bad losses from this team to ever think it wasn't possible. Um, and in some ways, the fact that they have Mahomes now, a really special player, and it still happened, it hurts even more. But you also have to understand that Mahomes' presence is the very thing that will break this curse one day. We don't know when it will be. Looking at the defense perform and seeing that they're going to face these teams in the playoffs in the AFC, that almost all of them have decent to good defenses, if not great, uh, I think it's going to be hard. I think the, the loss is coming probably in the AFC Championship game or the divisional round. It's, it's probably coming because the defense is not good enough. Uh, but I do think that the, the, the hope for the future is there because they have 15 and he's just 23 years old. So your takeaway is the defense's inability to hold the lead more so than the offense's yeah. inability to run out the clock with that 14-point lead? Yeah, and I think there's a big weight that's on Chiefs fans. Here's something I will tell you. So I was at that game Thursday. It struck me how when the Chargers went down and scored after the Chiefs took, like, I think it was a 10-point lead, mm -hmm. The energy in that place changed, and it changed to one of, ooh, there was worry there. You could sense it. You could feel it in a way not unlike Red Sox fans used to feel it in 2004 um, or in past years, 2003. Cubs fans used to feel it. Here comes a big moment. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Something went wrong. Oh, no. This is about to happen again, isn't it? Players can feel it too, I think. The good news is that if the Boston Red Sox and Chicago Cubs, two of the most cursed franchises in pro sports, can win anyway, Chiefs fans, it's going to be all right, guys. Like, one day you're going to get back to the mountaintop. You've even won a Super Bowl. You can't even say that about – I just – I got that sense in there like, oh, no, this is a weight that not only the players are feeling, the fans are feeling it too. And it's going to be really interesting to see – how the Chiefs come out of that. I think it's going to take more talent on defense. I think it's going to take um, another running back, some more explosion at running back. And it might, if there's another playoff collapse, it's probably going to take another defensive coordinator. If you're telling me that the fans sounded different just after a 10-point lead became a 3-point lead, yeah. Arrowhead might not be the home field advantage that many people have talked up. It might not be. By hook or by crook, you better get that top spot in the AFC. Maybe it doesn't matter as much as we'd like to think. The truth is that it doesn't. And, you know, I tell you guys the truth. I love Kansas City. This is my home now. I tell you guys the truth, okay? The, the, the problem is you've had your hearts ripped out so much right. that you, you always have that doubt about yourself. And Chiefs fans, Arrowhead's a great place when you win it, baby. Like, hey, when the Chiefs are rocking and it's early, it's like, yeah. Like, it's the loudest place on earth. But I think you've had so many bad moments that I do think it affects fans because they were cheering, but it wasn't raucous. That, that feeling of belief wasn't necessarily there after the Chargers. 
started scoring, and then you started getting those calls against you. There was certainly a palpable sense of, oh, no. And I think that for the Chiefs fans to come out of that, it's going to take Mahomes or a curse breaker to do it. And I think you got the curse breaker. I still, I'm standing behind Baba Yaga. I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but I do think it's going to happen either next year or the year after. But it's up to Brett Veach and Andy Reid to give these guys the defensive horses he needs to get this job done and break this curse. This is a team that went to Pittsburgh and Mahomes dropped six touchdowns on them. They put 51 up in Los Angeles, 40 in New England. Maybe this trip to Seattle, a lot of people are justifiably afraid. Therese, maybe it comes at a good time then. Maybe it comes at a, it's us against everyone. Now is the, the, the band of brothers. I talked to Eric Berry about this shortly after the game. Um, I got him to the side for a moment. And the most interesting thing he said to me was, that loss for the defense is going to force him to look in the mirror. Mm. And, yeah, it is. He's right. And if you do want some sunshine, I'm good at giving that to you, too. I'll tell you guys this. The defense looked completely different with Eric Berry on the field in the first half. Now, does it, would it concern me that Berry is out there yelling at guys because they don't know where they're supposed to be lining up and that was a theme? Yeah, like what was it like without him out there? Like what, what, the guys not know where they're supposed to be? Yeah, yeah, that would concern me. That one man has that much pull and ability to get people together. Um, yeah, that would concern me. But if he plays the whole game, they don't lose it. I truly believe that. If he plays the whole game, they don't lose it. And we're not even talking about this. We're talking about a good win over a 10-14. and 14. Mm-hmm. So, you know, football is – very much is not black and white it's a shade of gray we also say ifs and buts you know if, yeah I, I just think that from their point of view this team they're gonna need Eric very healthy and if you want some hope that's what you're hoping for that he's gonna his presence can make that big of a difference on a defense that's just not that good you get a unique vantage point up in the press box and then of course watching the film we saw a half of Eric Berry now I don't disagree with you That two-point conversion doesn't go down that way if 29's out there on the field. Likely that entire drive goes differently if Eric Berry's on the field. But what do you say to the the argument of sample size? Yeah, yeah, no doubt he's better. Uh, No doubt he looked good in that first half. But how much better can this defense really be with him over the course of these final two, three, four games? Uh, I mean, at least we know they'll line up right. Man, that's a pretty good start. So, so a low bar. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, look, he's a, he's an all-pro player. Right. And he, he looked pretty – like I told you guys, like you don't have to – it's not like he's going to come back fat. Like I told you guys he wasn't going to come back 220 or 215. Eric Berry looked like 206 to me. Right. He looked great. Um, so it's like adding an all-pro player back to your second line. Now I'll tell you something else. You want to know what could have mitigated this Berry thing was Earl Thomas. And that's the thing. It just feels like you guys just can't get the breaks you need. Like, that could have been the difference between making a Super Bowl and not. Can you imagine that con- that tandem of Eric Berry and Earl Thomas? Oh, my God. That's the best safety tandem in football. Mm-hmm. Two guys in their absolute prime. Gosh, that, that would have been fun to watch just from a pure – that would have been as fun to watch as Patrick Peterson back there. It, it's just unfortunate that, you know, it just feels like – this team has had a window to get to the promised land, but for this reason or that reason, it never seems to work out. This defense absolutely stands between the Chiefs and the Super Bowl right now. What did you make of, you said you talked with Eric Berry. 
the Chiefs' plan with Eric Berry? Because after the game, Eric says, hey, we stuck with the plan, and he reads about it, it was the plan. Because uh, I heard a lot of backlash as far as, well, if he was on a snap count, why don't we divvy or save some of those snaps for the second half of the game? Yeah, I, their standard procedure has been to when a guy's working his way back, he just plays the first half and he's done, basically. That's what they did. Um, that's what they did with Darrell Revis last year, too. I understand Andy wants to be consistent. You don't want to start looking like, okay, we're desperate. we got to throw him in there. There's no doubt that he would have made a difference probably. You know, what if he goes back out there, they score anyway, he gets hurt. Like, it, it would have been a risk. Um, you know, I, I, I know why he didn't do it. I think he could have made a good case for doing it. You know, <laughs> the, the, the fact those guys went back out there, and put it this way, what if they just tie the game up? So, okay, they tie it up now, and then you got to, what, is he going to play overtime too? Like, I guess that's kind of like an endless hole there that you'd have to kind of navigate. So, the good news is that I don't think this is going to be a problem necessarily going forward. You know, pretty soon here he'll be playing every snap, and they need him for every one of those snaps. When it came to the plan with Eric Berry, how democratic was it? How lo- how loud was his voice in the decision-making? Well, I mean, he had, this was his first game, you know, so I, I think that it was always going to be a half. Okay. And I think that's an Andy decision. Um, okay. Now, as far as when he could have come back to start playing this season, you know, that that was probably an Eric decision about far, as, as far as, like, when he felt like he was ready to play. And I think that guy can make that choice. No one can tell us how his Achilles feels other than him. He's an all-pro. You know he loves football. You know if he was just fine, he'd be playing. Like, I don't think that's a doubt. So he's made the best decision for himself and the team, I believe. So I think that's okay. The Therese Paylor Show live from the landing in Liberty. It's presented by Bud Light. Uh, when we get back, Derwin James had a very interesting comment to our own Ron the Show Hughley about this offense. I want to get your thoughts on just that. We'll do it next. Therese Paler Show, presented by Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, welcome back to Therese Paler Show, presented by Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Kansas City Chiefs. We are with you this and every uh, Monday night throughout the football season throughout the area. Tonight we're in Liberty at the Landing. Uh, Teresa mentioned it. Uh, show had a chance to talk with uh, Derwin James after Thursday's game and was asking him, hey, uh, how does the offense look different from the squad you faced in week one? Now without Kareem Hunt, without Sammy Watkins, and the all soon-to-be all-pro safety said, they're just regular now. He's not lying. You see just a regular offense I mean, the past couple weeks? In general, I mean, it's, that's a little hyperbole because no offense with Patrick Mahomes is regular. But, like, I w- hey, look, with, with Ty Hill hurt, it's defendable now. You can defend Kelsey and then with two guys and then Ty with one because he doesn't have the super side, you know, the supercharged speed. This is defendable. You can defend these guys. Um, he has a point. He's a great player. He's kind of right. Um, but – if these two teams meet in the playoffs, I'm not so sure that they'll still just be because Watkins will be back. You know, maybe Ty Hill will have rested up a little bit by then. And, and you know, that's a pretty charged up pitch and catch game you got there. How desperate are they to get Spencer Ware back or can, 
can they ride this out with the Williams kids? Yeah, I think the Williams kids are the best bet. Um, both Damian Williams and Darrell Williams have a little bit more juice right now. Um, Darrell looks really fast, but Damian runs really hard. Mm-hmm. Those guys are okay. Like they, you, they're they're fine. There's just a little bit more pop, a little bit more explosion. Like I mean, Williams runs as hard as Spencer did before the injury. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and look for Spencer. This is just a, this is a process. You know, yeah, he he, tore, he busted up his leg last year. Like it's gonna take a while to kind of get that same juice back, right? Um, it, it's a more dynamic offense with the, with those two. If we're being honest, those two guys were just they had a little extra pop. But I do think Spencer still has an important role here, and he can help them. The thing that makes me nervous, and I think a lot of Chiefs fans nervous right now, is for the first 12, 13 weeks of the season, you always had that quick strike, dynamic, better-than-everyone-else offense. There are a lot of very talented offenses in the AFC where you were just heads and tails better than all of them. You're just as good as the rest, in my opinion. I know Tyreek and Travis are special, but most of these playoff AFC teams have a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback and two or three dynamic playmakers. It's to what Derwin James had to say in the conversation of AFC playoff teams, they are regular. Houston, New England, San Diego, man, yeah. they all got squads. I, mean, I think it depends on your definition of regular. I'm, I'm thinking like mid grade when you say that. Okay. Like if you want to compare to the best teams in the AFC, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Like, they're regular in comparison to their playoff opponents. Like you said, most of them have one or two great threats. Like, hell, the Steelers got three mm-hmm. outside of Ben Roethlisberger and James Conner, uh, 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 A.B., and Juju, right? right? Like, right. that's better than Ty, Kelsey, and Sammy. I Tenderfoot. mean, it's, it's the least comparable. Mm-hmm. Like, that, you know, Conner's a really, really good back. Like, Conner's, like, really good. Uh, and Juju's an awesome player as well. Like, that's a really good trio. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a there's a really good point there. And, by the way, the Chargers receiver trio is pretty good too. You know, uh, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Tyrell Williams. Oh, and Travis Benjamin. That's really strong. You and bring, Melvin Gordon You bring Melvin back. Gordon back, Shoot. that's pretty good. No doubt. The Chiefs obviously can't defend Antonio Gates. John, Antonio Gates was giving guys the Steve Coulter crooked leg on routes. <laughs> Somebody's got to retire after that. You let you let Antonio Gates put one foot in the ground and put you on your heels, Ron Parker. Uh, yo, Antonio Gates broke out the Steve Coulter crooked leg on him, dude. And like Antonio Gates looks like a damn grizzly bear out there running around. Antonio Gates and he's giving is Chiefs probably defense that work at this point. Come he's on, probably man. 280 at this point. And the way he was able to break him, yo, ruthless. So ruthless. so so look, Therese, if, if the Chiefs' offense is just as good as the other great teams in the AFC. It's no longer heads and tails better. Where does the added pressure go? The pressure that Kareem and Sammy took off, is that now on Pat, or is that on the future Hall of Famer Andy Reid to pick up the slack? It's definitely Andy Reid, but Sammy would be back. But losing Kareem, it's going to be on Andy to scheme this stuff up well, and then Pat. Like Pat can make up for all of it because he's so talented and he has the ball in his hands every play. That's probably asking a lot for a 23-year-old, though. What I think is more realistic is that they lose in January. It's a really good, like, experience for Patrick. He comes back like gangbusters next year, and he finds a way to navigate a season where all the defensive coordinators on their schedule 
has looked at his offseason tape for eight months and figured out what he's not so good at. Like, I think that's a little more reasonable. Like, I think and, and he finds a way to navigate that because they're going to start attacking him differently once they have all those months to look for his weaknesses. Um, but I think he'll find his way through that, and I think the motivation of whatever happens in January will push them through it. A big-name national uh, radio host uh, laid that L at the feet of Pat and said now in all three losses he's been outplayed by Brady, Goff, and Phillip Rivers. If this guy's the MVP of the league, which a lot of people think he is, is that fair? Can we lay these three L's at the hands of Mahomes not outgunning the opposing quarterback? It was very hot takey. Um, it was the opinion that you kind of give when you don't watch enough football um, to like, I mean, listen, like the loss on Thursday, that was on the defense. I don't want to hear about that being Patrick Mahomes' ill. You want to throw some shade at Andy for the play calling? Like, I guess okay. But his play calling all season long has been on point. I can't tell you when I'm watch, how, how many times when I'm watching tape of other teams, they just lift stuff from the Chiefs. Like, knock it off. They scored 28 points. The defense had a lead. Stand up and make a play. Like, seriously. Like, make a play. Mm-hmm. Like, the offense has to do everything all the time. I'm really not here for that. I'm not here for the Patrick Mahomes slander. And honestly, as it relates to the offensive play calling, I'm not really here for the Andy Reid play call slander either. Now, you want to throw shade at Andy for retaining defensive coordinator, for not making enough changes on defense. You know, I might be willing to listen to that. But, or, or at least not giving them the sense of urgency to perform better. Like, I'll listen to that. But as far as, like, the, like, you can't just dial up magic plays every week. They don't have Kareem Hunt anymore. They scored 28 points. And it's a good defense. That should have been enough. But it wasn't. I'm not really here for that. Like, we're not about to put this on Pat. That was on that defense and these players who've been here long enough. I don't care how complicated the scheme is. You should know what you're doing. And if you don't want to blame them, you blame the defensive coordinator. But somebody make a play, please. Even with Bob, though, Bob Sutton. I have a tough time at getting mad at him because he's just doing what he's been doing. And, and you alluded to this. That, to me, is another reflection of, man, I'm pointing that finger at Andy. If, if, if the Colts game didn't do it for you, well, then I know the Titans game did it. Man, he's still got a job. That's on you. Or to steal it. Right. Like, here's the right. point. Here's the point, man. Like, at the end of the day, we're going to look at the defense, and we're going to put that on them. Now, who you want to blame there is okay. But we're not about to put this loss at Patrick Mahomes' feet. This guy is about to throw for 50 touchdowns in a season and has been better than you ever could have imagined. We're not about to do that. So you want to talk about Andy retaining Bob or Bob or the players not being good enough? I'll listen to it. It could be all those things. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not in the defensive meetings. I don't know. But I know it's one of those things. And we can have a good debate about it, and we can laugh about it, and we can talk about it, and we can figure out what it is. But what we're not going to do is talk about 15 and throw this at Mahomes' feet. Because if it wasn't for him, and you still had Alex Smith, you might be like, what, 9 and 5 or something. Like, you wouldn't be this. When I showed up for Friday's show, I wasn't with the blame Andy for much when it came to that game. But I got to give it to show. First of all, the 4th and three in the second half where you have it on the opponent's 43, 44-yard line. Uh, ride your offense. Understand that it's a different game now and you don't have a great defense. I'm with Show on. He should have went go, for it. 
He should have went for it. And then on the final drive, the three and out. Man, uh, I'm not going to excuse Demetrius Harris. I'm not going to excuse the offensive line. But I was always taught, if you're going to go down, go down with your horses. For that ball not to consistently be in 15's hands, even if it's three straight passes. Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, I got to go down with those three. No, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. I, I will fight you back on that. He should have went for it on the fourth to cool. But, like, Andy Reid's one of the best play callers in football. People lift stuff from him all the time. If it worked, you would have been like, wow, that's genius. Because everybody, the defensive coordinator knows it's going to those guys too. So, like, that's fine. Maybe Demetrius Harris shouldn't drop passes. Like, these, like he's been doing it for four years. So, like, at the end of the day, like, you want to criticize Andy – for retaining Bob or not putting enough pressure on the defense or not going for when he very clearly should on fourth down. Okay, I'll listen to that. But as far as like on a play-to-play basis, the plays he chooses to dial up, more often than not they work. More often than not um, he's better than the other guy. You're just nitpick. You're, that's going too far for me. It just is. Yahoo Sports, senior NFL writer and the host of the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast. This is the Therese Paler Show presented by Bud Light. We talked a lot about the defensive coordinators. There's a few possible replacements for Bob Sutton that just make too much sense. We'll get to that after this. The Therese Paler Show presented by Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Kansas City Chiefs. Hey, we're live from the landing in Liberty. This is the Therese Paler Show presented by Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Kansas City Chiefs. He is Yahoo Sports senior NFL writer and the host of Yahoo Sports NFL podcast. He is Therese Paler. You'll hear him tomorrow on the drive at 3.30 and every Thursday morning on Fesco in the morning. Uh, Therese, before we get to the coordinators and possible replacements for Bob Sutton, if that comes up, Man, I spent the first month of this season telling show, man, calm down with these Super Bowl expectations because this defense isn't good enough to get the job done in December. And the football I grew up with was, mm-hmm. man, you got to be able to run the ball in <laughs> January and you got to be able to stop. The football we grew up with. Right. But then I came around and said, hey, 2018, man, it's, it's, it's a different <laughs> you game. You sound like me, yeah. It's a different this past week, we had two 300-yard yeah. passers. One of them was against the Chiefs, so, of course. And 10 100-yard <laughs> 10 rushers. Yeah. Is the game different from the game that you and I grew up on? Do you still have It's different. No, it's, it's still different. Um, I mean, they, the Chiefs and Rams combined for 1,000 yards a month ago. Like that, you know, that's way but is beyond January football anything we're used to. I mean, you still got to be able to play a modicum of defense. I think, look, when it gets cold, it gets cold. You still have to win. You still got to run the ball. But, right. look, l- let's see how run-oriented the NFC Championship game in New Orleans is. Like, it'll be in a dome. If it's warm weather, you got to sling it. Now, if it's cold, okay, you better have that. You better have a solid defense. You better be able to run the ball a little bit. But if it's warm and balmy weather, you better be able to sling it. Like, it still applies. Um but I do think that maybe there is something to, hey, you know, it's January, it's December, it's going to be cold. You better make sure you have some physicality to you. Ten 100-yard rushers this past week, only two passers throw for more than 300. 
Uh, Arrowhead likely is, as the guys from Jacksonville told you early on in the season, the Super Bowl in the AFC is going to go through Arrowhead. It might. Who's the one team that the Chiefs fans should least enjoy see to come to <laughs> Kansas City? Is there one squad? There's a lot you- of them. I mean, listen, the, the concept of Baltimore coming back in here is terrifying. Therese, okay? I was more afraid of Baltimore than I was the Chargers. The concept of Baltimore Man. coming back in here is terrifying. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I, I think, I think uh, look, they got that number one ranked defense. You've also got. The rushing attack, Lamar Jackson. Hey, the, 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 that's a scary group, man. Those guys uh, pound you pound you down. Um, but honestly, any of these teams at AFC can come in here and win. Uh, Pittsburgh could do it. Uh, the Patriots could do it. You don't believe Tom Brady could come in here and win? The Chargers just proved they could do it. Like, all these games are going to be scary. Uh, now, the Texans... You know, is Watson ready to win in this place? Is he, ready to, is he ready to outdo Mahomes? I don't know. But they have a good defense, and they'll probably be able to get after you a little bit. You know, none of these games are going to be – like the Titans coming in here, that's scary too because we know they run the ball. Derrick Henry's 245 pounds, okay? How you think they're going to do? Well, guess what? The Chiefs sound real good at stopping the run, are they? So, yeah, man, I all anybody they face in the first – or second round, it's going to be a bad match. You're not going to be feeling great about it. Man, I, I know you hear what you're saying, but think about that. In a year's time after that collapse against the Titans, we're sitting here talking about the, the same, same thing. damn thing. Tell me I'm wrong. You're not wrong. It's, it's the same thing because the defense is not yet ready. <laughs> they just Look, they can rush the passer. That's the one thing they can do. These guys can rush the passer, which is great, right? But – God, they just give up so many yards, and they don't really stop the run. And then, like, there's not like a – we need some – like, the, the Chiefs need somebody to come through in a big moment defensively, whether that's D. Ford or Jay Houston or, or – or, like last week, two weeks ago, right? Like, you need some of those guys to come up big when it matters. And, like, Eric Berry's going to help. Like, if you do want to have some hope, it's like, okay, you add this all-pro back, hopefully, you know, he'll, he'll give them – a little bit of juice, a little bit of big play, timeliness. You know, it could be a big difference. But the bottom line is I don't feel like any team that they, they, they face, fans are going to be just feeling, oh, great, yeah, we'll win this game. They'll be on edge, and rightfully so. So you're not one that's dancing on the grave of the Patriots just yet, despite oh. that loss yesterday. No, I basically spent, I wrote an entire column Sunday outlining why, like, it's a bad omen loss, but how at the end it's just like it's Tom Brady. Like, really? I'm not going to be the guy to predict that. You don't do that with Tom Brady. Um, Now, there's a lot of things going against the Patriots, though. They finished with a losing road record for the first time since 2009. Uh, In 2009, they lost in a wild card round, I believe, to Baltimore. Mm. Uh, By the way, if the season ended today, it'd be ending. uh, They'd be hosting Baltimore in the wild card round. And if you think about the last eight years, Patriots have made the Super Bowl about five times, I believe. The three times they didn't, all the teams that beat them, Baltimore and um, the Broncos, all had good defenses. So the fact that, I mean, these are bad omens for those guys because this offense is not dynamic enough to kind of topple a good defense, right? All of their skilled players have kind of taken a step down. They don't have Deion Lewis anymore. Gronk doesn't quite look the same. Brady doesn't look the same. I feel like, you know, they face the right team. They're going to get knocked out. 
because uh, you can't just keep going to the Super Bowl year after year after year. That's, even the Patriots lose every once in a while. So it's a bad omen loss, but still can't count them out. They're going to finish 11-5. and five. They'll beat the Bills and Jets the next two weeks. So it should be interesting to see what happens with them. But all these teams at AFC have flaws, man, right, right. every last one of them, which is why I think it'll come down to the team that gets hottest. Largest flaw, of course, for the Chiefs' defense. We've talked a lot about Bob Sutton. Also, look, I understand if you had this, you would report this, but just your opinion as far as a possible marriage. Do you see Ron Rivera back in Carolina? Do you see Todd Bowles back in New York? And how do you think that would work with their former guy and Andy Reid? Um, I think all those guys would be respected, really good hires for Andy Reid. I'd imagine that David Tepper wants to go in a different direction in Carolina. He just bought the team. He's going to want to hire his own guy. You know how these new owners are. Like, new owners are like guys that just, like, won the lottery. You know, they want to they wanna flaunt their wealth a sure. little bit and bring their own people in. I'm sure, they, I'm sure he wants to bring in his own guy. You know, things have gotten a little stale in New York. They need to hire an offensive-minded coach that can develop Darnold. Um, another guy to keep an eye on is Steve Wilkes in Arizona. Um, one of the columnists out there, um, Kent Summers, shout out to my man Nick Jacobs for, for sending this to me. But, um, yeah, one of the columnists out there basically said that he thinks that this is it for Steve Wilkes How after a year. Yeah, a year, okay, yeah, right. which is an embarrassment. If they fire him, I'm going to absolutely crush them. Uh, there's a pretty good chance I'll write like a really critical column of that. But if Steve Wilkes gets fired, let me tell you something. Steve Wilkes is a really good defensive coordinator. Like, even, like, the Cardinals kind of get after it on defense, as bad as they are this year. Let's, let's, hey, sign me up for Steve Wilkes. Let's go. I'm in. Like, he's really good at his job. And what Ron is, too, like, the point is, like, there's some pretty good options if, if Andy wanted to make a move. But I'm not sure he'll, I'm not sure he'll want to. He's pretty, he's pretty loyal to Sutton. Uh, the Chiefs have made a lot of money this year. I'm sure Clark, have, Clark Hunt's pretty happy about that. Um, I don't know what it would t- – maybe another, like, collapse, maybe another, like, double-digit deficit. It would take, like, fan revolt. It, w- it would really take a lot of, like – it would take a lot of criticism to make that happen. But, I mean, la- I mean he- Andy took a lot of criticism in January for keeping Bob, and it right. didn't matter. So right. I just – I don't know if it's – I don't feel – I don't know if it's going to make it be, be enough pressure to make him do it. And I, I, I don't think that the owner would make him do it either. That just got me thinking because you're, you're right. Andy is beyond loyal and his assistants are just that right back to him. But I'm reminded of an old Chris Rock bit where you're as faithful as your options. <laughs> so if the options are Bulls, uh, a man in Arizona, Ron Rivera, all of a sudden, yeah, I got love for Bob, but these are an obvious upgrade over Bob Sutton. I'd be, I'd be curious as to whether or not the available options would test the loyalty of one maybe. Mr. Andy Reid. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe, but I think it's something worth thinking about, but it's certainly not a given, and we're just going to have to see. Open it up to you. Text lines wide open, 69306, the Protein House Eat with a Purpose text line. It's your chance to get your questions answered by Therese Paler. We call it Take on Therese. Again, text line 69306. You can tweet at us at 610SportsKC at Therese Paler. The Therese Paler Show is back with more after this. 
Therese Paler Show, presented by Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, welcome back to Res Paler Show, presented by Bud Light, live from the landing in Liberty. With you this and every Monday night from 6 to 7, Jay Binkley. Plenty more Chiefs talk coming up at the top of the hour. Bink at night right here on your football station, 610 Sports Radio. All right, your chance to take on Therese. Text line 69306. Let's go to the Protein House, eat with the purpose. Text line first from the 816. Therese, can we get Barry Church in for a workout? We need safety help. Yeah, I just, I don't see that, uh, <laughs> I don't really see that making a big difference. I, I like Barry Church. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's kind of a box guy a little bit. I just, you got that a little bit in Eric Berry already. I just, I don't see that making a big difference. They, you guys do need safety help, but, you know, you'd be a little better bringing Armani Watts back from IR. Like, that'd be a little bit more helpful because Watts is kind of a rangy playmaker type, and that's what you, that's what you want, a little bit more cover skills. From the 515, what are the top three positions of need for the 2019 draft for the Chiefs as we've already moved on from the playoff loss? Hasn't even happened yet, but we're ready for the draft. <laughs> It'll be running back. I give you four. Running back, edge rusher, corner, and safety. Absolutely. You got to replace Kareem Hunt. Going to have to make a decision on Justin Houston at the edge rush. Obviously need more corner help. Obviously need more safety help. Have you dove into this yet but uh, from the 913 are there any good corners in this year's draft i know there's one stud named greedy williams from lsu i like i that think name. he'll be a top 10 pick though i haven't started on my draft work i won't do that until january my, i'm down at the senior bowl um there's a lot going on during the season i try to focus on that during the year but believe me i'll be keeping a close eye out on runners corners safeties and edge rushers because uh, i know chiefs fans will want to know from the 913, thoughts on Marcus Peters' video of him going up into the stands. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, Marcus obviously has to, like, not do that, but it's not, like, a surprise. Um, I would have loved to see the run-up to that, but obviously I'm not, I know the Rams probably aren't thrilled to see that. It's not a very flattering video, but, you know, Marcus has always been a real dude, so you want to talk to him like that, you might get a response. Um, obviously he's got, he can't do that, but. You know, you know, you know what the Rams knew what they got when they traded for him. It's it's that kind of realness. So, you know, I'm sure they're dealing with it internally. How often is that going on? What do you mean? How often are players hearing that throughout a game? Oh my God, all the time. Just very few of them choose to confront them. <laughs> You're supposed to just ignore it. Um, I'm sure that's not necessarily easy. Um, no, no. But kidding. I, I would have loved to know what was said because I'm I'm sure Marcus gets yelled at a lot during the course of games. And most of the time, I'm sure he ignores it. I would have loved to know what the dude said. From the 816, Therese, what are the chances that Kelvin Benjamin takes significant play time away from Chris Conley or Demarcus Robinson when Sammy comes back? Yeah, I, I'm not sure it really matters, to be honest. You know, he's a, he's a big athletic guy. You know, he's got some ball skills, but he drops it. Doesn't create a lot of separation. You know, it, the, the thing with Conley is that he knows the offense. He knows where he's supposed to be. That's pretty valuable. And that's important as it relates to, like, making side adjustments after the plays have begun. It helps make the offense run efficiently. I mean, I guess it could happen in certain situations as maybe a jump ball threat. But, but like, in general, like, if Kelvin Benjamin has to play, like, a big role, that's not, like, a great sign for this offense. 
I see one here about uh, defensive free agents this offseason. Before you answer that, man, what D4 did against the Broncos was special. What Chris Jones did Thursday night, man, what he did to Schofield, even when they tried to double-team him, it did not matter. This man's got 14 sacks yeah. from that position. Uh, your best guess at how this organization handles an offseason where they got a decision as you laid out early in the season. Decision with him, decision with Tyreek, and a decision with D Ford. How Don't do you, you see love those contract years? Don't you just love them? I know it's not it is a contract year. He, well those two gotta save the season for the Chiefs. Without D and Chris, you got nothing over there. He's got like a so Chris has another year on his deal, but because of the way it's been laid out. If he plays well, he's set himself up to get an extension this offseason. This was a contract year. Um, I love those. Those are just the best. Um, he's played really well. Uh, the problem for the Chiefs is that he's played so well. Like 14 sacks for an interior rusher, mm. like he's going to ask for a lot of money. And as a run defender, he's kind of undisciplined. He, he kind of takes his own way. He's not real gap sound. There's something to be said for that, but the pass rush productivity is what matters. In today's NFL, that really matters. He'll get paid off that. The Chiefs cannot let this guy hit free agency. He's going to get like, – I mean, this is Aaron Donald's sack production. Like, this is – like two back, the, yeah. The, the, so, you know, they're going to have to make a decision on that. To me, I'll say, Chris, you got to show us you can do it again. I'll just pay Ty and be done with it. Ty, how much you want? Okay, Odell Beckham money. Odell Beckham Jr. money. Let's go. Five years, 100. Let's go. We're done. And then you say, Jones, okay, you're going to have to do this again. You do it again, we'll franchise you. Do it again, we'll pay you. Or something of the sort, but maybe not even let it get to the franchise. If he has another 10-sack season, he's young enough, cool. We think you can do it through your prime, but i got to see this again from that guy. So is there anything Chris Jones can do this season to force him or his representation into believing that he's got enough cachet to not show up? I'm not showing up till you pay me. He might, he might not show up. I mean, that's that's possible. But you typically don't see like guys who haven't gotten paid yet do that, right? Like, you know, he hasn't made any money, so right. like him missing camp days and him missing OTAs, like that'll add up. That'll take away his little money, you know. Like that's not because I think Tyreek would do that if he wasn't taken care of. Yeah, I mean, he could, but Ty hasn't made any money oh, either. He's made even less. You know, so so you know, I. I think that both those guys, like, sitting out, like, that's a pretty big chunk of change to be missing out on in comparison to their deals. So, you know, I, I don't think either guy's really in a position to, um, to, 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 to sit. I don't think D. Ford's in a position to sit either. I think D. Ford, if you franchise him, he'd probably skip OTAs, but I think he'd show up for camp. Like, I, I just – I just I don't think that those guys should should do that. I, I I don't think they made enough to be able to pull that off. But but they might. You just never know. By the way, one thing Ty's got going for him is that his agent's Drew Rosenhaus. He has a reputation for getting deals done. The Chiefs have a really good relationship with Drew. Like I, I think they'll find like Drew gets deals done. Like he's not he gets his guys paid. He does, but like teams work with him. They they're not often that contentious with Drew. Like, deals get done. So, like, if I'm the Chiefs, I'd be feeling okay about p- possibly getting something done with Drew. I also know Chris Jones wants to, would like to get something done too, which is a possibility. But I, I think that there, the, there's definitely more room for variance as far as what the Chiefs value 
Chris Jones at and what his people value him at as opposed to what the Chiefs value Ty Hill at and what his people value him at. Like, it will be much closer with Ty, which is why right. I think that – and Ty has a defined track record. I think that's why you just do – that's how you handle it that way. I'm just about being the agent for Chris Jones right now. I, I just feel like Chris Jones can sit across from Brett Veach and went, hey, man, unless Tano or Breland start showing you something, you need me. Because I'm the only thing you got other than D next season. And yeah. I know you got the golden boy in 15 that you're trying to win <laughs> with right now. So yeah. I don't know what you're doing with Justin. But if you don't bring Justin back, that means Breland's your starting outside linebacker. Man, pay me. Well, I, I feel like he's got him over a barrel right now. Um, they don't. He doesn't because they're not because he doesn't, he doesn't make any money. So, And he's under contract. Like, he's not going to miss any games. He'll be, a, he'll be there by training camp. Um, now, where that, where you you do have a good point in the sense that th- th- this is going to be coming, he will have them over a barrel, probably 2020, 2021. But he's got he needs to do this for another season, man. Like it, it, it it's not enough here. It he's got I get where you're coming from, right? But I, I think that it's going to be a heavy defensive draft for the Chiefs, and I think they're going to spend a free agent money on reinforcements. So. The way this defense is going to look come July is going to be a lot different than the depth chart right now, mm. which probably changes the leverage that Chris Jones had. But that's a good point, Boy, I'm glad you brought that up. From the 913, speaking of Tano Passanio, what happened to him? Um, you know what? Uh, Bob has got his guys that he likes to play. Tano's always been a little bit of a raw guy. Um, it was always about him, like, kind of adjusting to playing in a, in a two-point stance and Learning the coverages, and because we know Bob drops guys in the coverage, got to be able to do that. Got to hold the edge. Hey, listen, he's a great athlete that's learned to be a football player. Um, so, I do think it'd be interesting to see what he'd look like as a four-three defensive end. Mm. I think that could be pretty interesting. Maybe that's what you'd see if the defensive coordinator changes. But you know, for now, I, I think they're just rolling with what they think is best. But. What's best changes depending on who's calling the plays and the scheme they're using. From the 816, just says LDT or Watts coming back from the IR. It's that, that one's a tough one. I think it would be LDT because the offense needs a little extra juice because they don't have Kareem Hunt. So, like, the upgrade at right guard would be important enough that, yeah, I think that, that could help the running game. But Watts could really help him too. Um, but he was always developing his eyes and instincts. Like, well, he's got good instincts. He's, he's actually a ball hawk. That, he's good at that. But he's always been developing his eyes. And I, I, I think LDT helped them more immediately than Watts would. But, but that is an interesting thing, though, because that would say a lot about where they feel like what they feel they have is safety if they bring Watts back instead. I don't know if you said this, but it says, uh, Therese, you're crazy if you think we need a running back anywhere above the third round. Well, I never said that. I didn't think yeah, so. Yeah, I didn't. I, I said that they're going to be taking a top 100 pick on a running back, which includes the third round. Um, you know, you got the two seconds and you got a third. So I fully expect them to take a third round running back, unless like a generational guy's there in the first or second, which they'll do. Remember, they got two second round picks. So um, I, I do think that they'll spend one of the top 100 picks on a running back. You know, offense sells tickets. They have to surround Patrick with. Um, premium talent they got kareem hunt in the third round in fact um i actually think that the third round's where they're gonna take the guy mm-hmm. i do i think that's been the first two picks 
on either three defensive players or they'll package the one, some of the seconds to move up in the first and get a premium edge rusher. Again, follow him on Twitter at Therese Paler. Make sure you're checking out the work at Yahoo Sports. He is Yahoo Sports senior NFL writer and the host of Yahoo Sports NFL podcast. He is Therese Paler. Therese, always appreciate it. We'll do it again next Monday. The whole gang will be here. <laughs> show will uh, show will be here. And we'll have a good time, man. Appreciate it as always. This yes, sir. Yes, sir. Paler show presented by Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Kansas City Chiefs on 610 Sports Radio.